Welcome to Radio Who, What, Why. I'm Jeff Shackman. Last week, when Putin singled out Americans he'd like to have sent to Russia for interrogation, a lot of attention was focused on former U.S. Ambassador Michael McFaul. He also mentioned others, including very prominent international businessman Bill Browder. And more significantly, Putin talked about the Magnitsky Act, which Browder birthed with the help of the United States Congress. We often throw terms around today in our political and geopolitical debate, like capitalist and communist and oligarch. But very few who use these terms really understand the essence of what they mean. One of those that does understand is Bill Browder. He rebelled against communism as a teenager, became a very successful capitalist, and made millions in Putin's Russia. What he didn't know was just what kind of price he would pay for getting involved in the ever-entangled web of Putin, oligarchs, and a system 180 degrees from our own, a system of men and not of laws. The ultimate result was the brutal death of Browder's lawyer, Sergei Magnitsky. Browder has since carried on Magnitsky's legacy at great personal risk to himself. And Putin's remarks underscore that Bill Browder's ongoing quest for justice for the murder of Sergei Magnitsky has taken a dark turn under the presidency of Donald Trump. It is my pleasure to welcome Bill Browder back to Radio Who, What, Why. Bill, thanks so much for joining us. Glad to be here. For our listeners that may not know, real quickly, talk a little bit about the Magnitsky Act, what it was when it was passed in 2012, and and why it so gets under Putin's skin to this very day. Well, so after Sergei Magnitsky was, was murdered in 2009, um, I tried to get justice for him in Russia. And um, he was tortured to death. We had very, very detailed evidence of his torture from a variety of different sources. And um, I expected justice in Russia. But Vladimir Putin personally got involved in circling the wagons, in exonerating the people involved, um, and giving even promotions and state honors to some of the people who were most complicit in Sergei's murder. And so I came up with this idea that if you can't get justice inside of Russia, let's try to get justice outside of Russia. And I looked at, at, at what happened and I said, Sergei Magnitsky was killed not for ideological reasons or religious reasons, he was killed for money. He was killed because he had uncovered and exposed uh, a $230 million government corruption scheme in which we later learned Putin was a beneficiary. And those people who, who killed him and did it for $230 million, they don't keep that money in Russia, they keep that money safely in Western banks in the United States and England and France and Switzerland and other places. And so I came up with this idea, which is um, if we can't get justice inside of Russia, why don't we freeze the assets and ban the visas of the people who killed Sergei Magnitsky and the people who do similar types of things? And I took this idea to Washington and I met with Senator Benjamin Cardin, a Democrat from Maryland, and Senator John McCain, a Republican from Arizona, I explained to them the whole Magnitsky story and this idea of visa sanctions and asset freezes on human rights violators from Russia. And, and it just, it was the perfect idea at the, at the moment when it was most needed. And these two gentlemen um, uh, initiated something called the Magnitsky Act. Um, they put it onto the um, proposed law books in, um, uh, in 2010, at the end of 2010. And then we spent sort of two years um, fighting our way through Washington to get everybody on side. And by November of 2012, it went for a vote in the Senate and it passed 92 to 4. 
and uh, 89% of the House of Representatives, and it was signed into law on December 14th, 2012, by President Obama. And Putin hit the roof, and I mean literally hit the roof. He got so angry, um, and he got so angry because he is personally a beneficiary of this crime, and he keeps his money in the West, and he has a lot of other money in the West from other crimes. And this particular piece of legislation puts his entire personal fortune at risk. And for Putin, money is, uh, is more important than human life. And, and you may remember that he puts, um, in retaliation, he um, banned the adoption of Russian orphans by American families. That was direct re in direct retaliation to the Magnitsky Act. And he did that. Um, uh, and... and and I should point out that, that the, these orphans that were, were no longer allowed to be adopted tended to be the, the orphans who were um, sick, that had uh, Down syndrome, HIV, spina bifida, heart conditions. And Americans would still take them back to America with open arms and open hearts and nurse them to health. And in Russia, they couldn't do that, and these orphans often died in orphanages. And so as a result, Putin was sentencing his own orphans to death in retaliation for the Magnitsky Act. One of the things we should point out that this has also spread to other countries, that Canada recently adopted something similar to the Magnitsky Act and that it is spreading to other countries, which is also driving Putin crazy. Well, so, so you know, in, 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 his, in his eyes, OK, maybe he can avoid putting money in America. But now we have Canada. We now have the United Kingdom. We now have Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania. Uh, the island of Gibraltar off of Spain. So we have seven countries with the Magnitsky Acts, and there are eight countries that are currently on deck, France, Germany, uh, Sweden, Holland, Denmark, Australia, South Africa, and Ukraine. And I, and I would venture to say that the Magnitsky Act as a policy tool and as a, as a piece of legislation is going viral. And, um, uh, and that makes Putin terrified because effectively there's no place he'll be able to keep his money other than North Korea and Iran when this whole thing is finished. And I don't think he'd feel too comfortable and too safe with his money in North Korea and Iran. All of this, of course, has increased his vendetta against you as, as really the progenitor of this. Talk a little bit about your reaction when you heard or heard about Putin's remarks at this press conference in Helsinki last week. Well, um, I should point out that, that after the Magnitsky Act was passed in 2012 was the first moment that Putin started to speak about me publicly and to speak about me with, with great anger. And so it wasn't a surprise for, for me to hear that Vladimir Putin was talking about me. Um, the surprise was that, that, that Donald Trump was actually um, listening to and describing his proposal of handing me over um, as some type of brilliant idea. That, that was the surprising part of the whole thing. I mean, Putin has brought up my name, I think, five or six times in public settings, and you can even see the anger in his face when he brings it up. But Trump, Donald Trump saying... Um, Wow, an incredible offer, <laughs> and nodding approvingly when Putin said that. That, that was the big surprise. Yeah. I, never, I never thought that I would have to worry about um, being handed over to the Russians if I traveled to the United States. And it wasn't only your name. It was some of the people, even staff members in the U.S. Congress, that had helped get this passed. These people he mentioned as well. Well, so if you look at the list, so, so, so um, Robert Mueller indicted 12 GRU agents for, for hacking the election. And his indictment was very clear. The evidence was, was absolutely robust. It came from, from uh, emails and uh, Bitcoin records and other stuff. And so the Russians made a list 
of 12 people they wanted to um, prosecute. Um, of course, I was the top of that list and the name that Putin um, rattled off during the Helsinki summit. But the 11 other people on that list all had one thing in common. They had all worked with me from the U.S. government in one way or another in either passing the Magnitsky Act or investigating the money laundering from the, the case that Magnitsky discovered um, in New York. And so, for example, um, you, had, you had Mike McFaul, who was one of the principal interlocutors in the Obama administration who shepherded through the Magnitsky Act. Um, you have uh, a, a name that most people um, haven't heard of, but they should know about, which is a guy named Kyle Parker. Kyle Parker was the um, senior Senate staff member who'd, who'd, who wrote the Magnitsky Act. He wrote the Magnitsky Act, and he was the guy who ran all the traps for two years to make sure that the law passed. And, and often with a piece of legislation, of course, the senators who initiated it are the, are the people with the bear the most responsibility, but there's always some unsung hero in the background, and Kyle Parker was that unsung hero. Then you have a, a guy named uh, Jonathan Weiner. Jonathan Weiner um, was a, uh, had been a senior State Department official. He had become a, a lawyer in private practice, and he was, the idea, he was the person who conceived of the Magnitsky Act. He, it was his legal advice that led to the whole thing. And then one, one more person I should mention on, the, um, uh, on that side is, is a guy named David Kramer. He was a former uh, State Department official who was running a, a, an NGO, a human rights organization called Freedom House. And Freedom House was, was with me every day, blocking and tackling and walking the halls of Congress um, to advocate for the Magnitsky Act. Mm -hmm. So that was on one side. And then on the other side, and this is perhaps even more heinous, is that you had three special agents from the Department of Homeland Security a guy named Todd Hyman, uh, another person named Schwartzman, and I um, can't remember the, the name of the third person. These were special agents in the Department of Homeland Security whose job it was to investigate money laundering in the United States that originated from the crime that Sergei Magnitsky exposed and was killed over. And they found some of that money, and the Department of Justice froze that money, and the Russian, the Russian um, perpetrators paid the U.S. Department of Justice $6 million to settle the case. And all of a sudden, these three people from the Department of Homeland Security are being asked by Putin um, for Donald Trump to hand them over. And so, I mean, I, I can't think of, a, of something more cynical than, I mean, Putin can ask for whatever he wants, but for um, uh, Donald Trump to say that's an incredible offer to hand over, <laughs> to hand over these patriots. And these are all uh, unsung heroes. These are all people who, are, who, had, who, who had been working in America for the U.S. government for, for no glory and for no money um, in, in service to their country um, to fight Russian organized crime and Russian uh, murder and Russian uh, money laundering and to be handed over to the Russians is just beyond the pale. The other part of it, small part of it, but an important fact nonetheless, is that Donald Trump can have no authority over you at all. You're a British citizen. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that, that's, that's kind of the, the, the little um, absurd loophole in this whole thing, which is that I, I although my accent is American, I, I moved to London 29 years ago and became British, and I've been living there ever since. And so it's not as if that Putin can really even ask Donald Trump <laughs> to hand me over. I mean, I spend 95% um, of my life in the U.K., and so he actually, Donald, uh, uh, Putin went to the wrong head of state. He, 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 if, if he really wants me handed over, he should go to Theresa May. And I should point out that, that, that um, uh, Putin did go to Theresa May and, and various other prime ministers in, in the U.K. before Theresa May. Um, 
the, the Russian administration went 12 times with the same request to the British government. And, and um, both uh, David Cameron's government and Theresa May's government um, didn't think it was an incredible offer at all. They rejected it within five seconds, the 12 different requests for either handing me over for extradition or mutual legal assistance or other things. And so, um, of course, I, I, I feel um, totally legally protected in the UK on the basis of that. And so that, 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 that's why uh, Trump's behavior in contrast to that was so shocking. The accusation that Putin made in Helsinki about you having given $400 million to Hillary Clinton's campaign, had you heard that before? And what was your reaction to it if you had Well, yes. I, 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 I had heard something similar to that before, because this is the, the spin that the Russians have been putting out there for quite a while. If you remember, um, two years ago, um, there was a meeting at Trump Tower between a lawyer, a Putin uh, crony lawyer, um, and Donald Trump Jr., Paul Manafort, and Jared Kushner. And they were, they, were, they were pumping out this talking point then, and they continue to now. Um, and, and I should point out that this $400 million is just is an absurdity. It's, it's complete nonsense. I've not donated one single penny to Hillary Clinton's campaign or any other campaign for that matter. As I mentioned before, I'm a British citizen. I've been living in the UK for 29 years. I have no financial involvement, nor am I allowed to have a financial involvement in US politics. And so for them to throw that out there, it's just the ultimate in, in just complete fabrication and fake news. You mentioned that, that Trump Tower meeting and, and the Russian lawyer, Natasha Veselnaskaya. What was her involvement, as you understand it, in terms of her relationship with Putin? Well, um, uh, all, what we can say for sure is, so she, she is a lawyer for, for a family called the Katsiv family. The Katsiv family is a Russian uh, family in which the senior member of the Katsiv family, his name is Pyotr Katsiv, and was the former vice governor of the Moscow region. He's currently a vice president of Russian Railways. Russian Railways is one of the two or three most important Russian state companies. And he's considered by, by many people, and certainly by myself, to be a senior member of the Putin regime. And so, and the way that Putin um, delegates tasks is, is he asks oligarchs and, and cronies to go and do his bidding for him. And so, um, um, in my, my opinion, he asked um, uh, um, Katsiv to send Veselnitskaya to go in and do this whole anti-Magnitsky campaign, which he did with great vigor and, and with great resources and hired lots of fancy lobbyists and, and uh, smear campaigners and lawyers to go and try to make this thing go away and to try to destroy my reputation and to try to change the law. And thankfully, the, the facts were so clearly understood on the right side of this thing that nothing bad ever happened. But um, it wasn't for lack of trying on the side of the Russians. Understanding Putin and understanding Russia as you do, talk a little bit about what you make of what you have seen transpire with respect to Donald Trump and Russia and Putin over the past year and a half. Well, so what, what do we know 100% for sure? We know 100% for sure, which is not disputed by anybody, that Vladimir Putin had taken sides in the U.S. election. He had taken sides um, on behalf of Donald Trump against Hillary Clinton. Um, he, he took that side because he wanted sanctions to be lifted, and particularly the Magnitsky sanction to be lifted. And in taking sides, he also took great effort, or made great effort, um, in manipulating the outcome. He... Um, as we know, they hacked the DNC. 
Um, they were involved in all this social media with Twitter and Facebook, etc. And we know they also tried to penetrate the voting machines in various states around the United States. That's what we know for sure. That's proven. That's agreed. Um, there's nobody really disputing that, not even Donald Trump at this point. Or he, he, in some days he disputes some it, days, some days right. he doesn't. Well, we don't know for sure. Um, and I have, I, I'm, I'm not, I have no firm opinion on this, is whether he did this with the um, acceptance and, and acknowledgement of the Trump campaign and Donald Trump himself, or whether he did this freelancing just because he had a view of who he wanted. That we don't know. And, and I could speculate, and lots of people can speculate, and, and, and the probabilities go up and down based on different pieces of information. But the person who will be able to conclude one way or another whether, whether that happened is Robert Mueller. That's what the investigation is about. And he literally has 10,000 10, times the uh, information and investigative capacity than any of us lay people do with whatever leaks out here, here and there. And he, 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 will, he will be wiretapping, and he has been wiretapping and subpoenaing and, and interviewing and, and um, getting witnesses to flip. And, and sooner or later, we will have an answer to that question. And, um, and it will be um, a very important answer because it will determine the, the, uh, you know, the future of the U.S. Republic as to whether, um, whether Russia... Um, just was was taking sides on their own, or whether taking sides with with the involvement of of one of the candidates. What impact has this Putin Trump relationship had on you and your efforts to continue getting the Magnitsky Act put in place in other countries around the world? Well, uh, first of all, I, I would say I should point out to everybody that the Magnitsky Act itself is not in danger, no matter what Trump's um, actions are, because the Magnitsky Act was not. Um, a piece of legislation that was pat that was put in place by executive order by the stroke of the pen of the president. This is a piece of legislation that was put in place as an act of Congress, and Congress um, would have to vote you vote vote in a majority way to repeal the Magnitsky Act. And I can say with great confidence that that's not going to happen. Um, I know members of Congress, and there's no way that Republican, Democrat, anybody will ever repeal the Magnitsky Act. I should also point out that while Trump is, is making all these loving noises towards Vladimir Putin, um, his administration is not. His, his Secretary of State, Pompeo, his Secretary of Defense, Mattis, um, his Secretary of Treasury, Mnuchin, um, his National Security Advisor, John Bolton, none of these people um, uh, have anything other than disdain for Vladimir Putin and his malicious activities towards the United States and the rest of the world. And they have been enforcing policies which are clearly and objectively anti-Putin. And so, for example, in April of this year, um, the Trump administration put seven Russian oligarchs, some of the richest men in Russia, on the Magnitsky, I'm sorry, on, on the sanctions list. And on the sanctions list, those people are effectively financially devastated. And, and, and that's probably been the most single powerful move any government has taken at any point against Russia. In addition, the U.S. government has supplied um, offensive weapons to Ukraine and even recently increased the um, military aid to Ukraine. And there was a, uh, um, an absolutely devastating attack by U the U.S. military in Syria against Russian mercenaries where they effectively evaporated 300 mercenaries in one moment because they were going after U.S. allies. The, the U.S. Um, has so far, or the, and, and the Trump administration has so far taken a pretty tough 
stand on on uh, on Russia. What's what's weird and totally inconsistent, and I would I would go so far as to argue schizophrenic, is this um, weird um, these words that Donald Trump and the words and now and now these these visuals of Donald Trump um, somehow kowtowing to Putin personally, and and that's extremely disturbing and that's very um, upsetting. And if it does if that does filter into policy. That could be really, really bad for for the United States and the rest of the world. And as somebody that that understands and knows Putin, talk a little bit about how you think he is dealing with the schizophrenia, that he he seems to manipulate Trump and, and, and gets Trump to say these things on the one hand, as we saw in Helsinki last week, and yet the policy, as you articulated, is very different. How is Putin responding to this, or how will he respond to it, do you think? Well, I think that Putin understands that that um, um, the um, establishment, the people who are the responsible adults who are dealing with this stuff, are against him, and he's trying to find a way of getting Trump to turn that around. And um, Putin is a very long-term player; he's not playing in the short term, and and uh, he clearly thinks that he has Trump's sympathies, and he wants to use that so that that the all these nice words actually um, filter into policy, and he'll play the long game as he does. And um, and he's going to tr- continue to try to do this, and and I think that that uh, I think both Putin and Trump realized that that um, that this last summit, while um, was a, was kind of a great benefit to Putin in terms of theatrics, um, may have may have um, been a bit of a disaster in terms of the reaction, and so that's why I think they're both going for a second summit in the fall in the United States. And finally, Bill, what, what are you worried about personally as a result of all of this in this relationship? And what should the U.S. and the West in general worry about? Well, I'm worried personally that, that um, one way or another, they're going to get their hand, the Russians, Vladimir Putin's going to get his hands on me and get me back to Russia and kill me in a Russian prison the way they did Sergei Magnitsky. And they've tried using Interpol. They've tried using these, these mutual legal assistance and extradition requests. And I'm worried that one day my luck will run out. I've been very lucky so far and that the world has been on my side. Interpol has rejected all Russia's requests. Britain has rejected all of Russia's requests. The United States has rejected all of Russia's requests. Um, I'm worried that someday that might change. And that's why this is that Putin's um, indecent proposal to Trump in Helsinki uh, uh, was was really uh, not a good thing for me. In terms of um, overall, I think that that, um, Putin... Um, he, he, he's, he's got such degrees of freedom that any other um, head of state doesn't have. He doesn't have any electorate to worry about, no press, no laws, no courts. He can do whatever he wants. And Putin is out there manipulating not just the U.S. election, but the Germans and the French. He's sending, he's sending refugees out of Syria all over Europe to destabilize democracies. He's creating all sorts of nationalism and supporting far-right and far-left candidates. And he's trying to ruin, and since he can't bring Russia up to the level of the West, he wants to bring the West down to the level of Russia. And he's had great success so far, and, and, uh, and if he carries on, it could get a lot worse, and, and we could end up in a situation where, where he's, he's created you know, little fascist enclaves all over the place that we never even thought about. And then one day we're going to have a third world war because of that. And, you know, the, the world war, first world war, started with the assassination of, of uh, you know, one obscure um, royal member of the mm-hmm. royalty in Europe, and and that's how things work. And and um, you know, people are saying we should be talking to Russia and be nice to Russia because they've got nuclear weapons. No, we should be containing Russia and not letting them do all this stuff to start World War Three. 
Bill Browder, I thank you so much for spending time with us today on Radio Who, What, Why. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening and for joining us here on Radio Who, What, Why. I hope you join us next week for another Radio Who, What, Why podcast. I'm Jeff Sheckman. If you like this podcast, please feel free to share and help others find it by rating and reviewing it on iTunes. You can also support this podcast and all the work we do by going to whowhatwhy.org forward slash donate.